the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have financial planning questions, shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. Today's July 12th, 2023, before the market opened, but we did have news today that inflation rose at the slowest pace since March of 2021. Does that mean the Fed is going to be closer to done? Probably. Consumer price index rose 0.2% over last month and 3% over the prior year. Um, so both measures a little bit better than expected. So where are we at so far? Let's give you a weekly market update we look at the total return, so price movement plus dividends received so far this year. The S&P 500 is up about 16.58%. If we look at the bond market, um, we have you know, rates pulling back a little bit today with the uh, lack of inflation because rates continue to go up right, to fight inflation, and that pushes bond prices down. So the total return for AGG, which is an ETF that represents U.S. aggregate bond index is up 1.54% for the year. We look at emerging markets, not too great there. We've got, you know, really slow to no inflation, uh, slow growth in China at 5.89% for emerging markets. International developed up 11.31%, fundamentally very attractive. Um, just obviously have Russia issues to deal with. The Russell 2000 ETF, IWM, that's an index of small and mid-cap stocks up 9.56%. And I'm telling you, most of that return has come in the last month as that that uh, kind of, hey, look at all, what all the large-cap tech stocks did. Let, let's go ahead and rally. And the thought that the Feds are closer to done makes it so that the fear of higher interest rates gets kind of pulled out of that idea of investing in small and mid-cap companies because smaller companies need to borrow more money typically to buy equipment, to buy other companies, to fund growth as they're trying to become large companies. So they're a little bit more sensitive to interest rates. Now, the S&P 500 is up 16.58%, but that is a market cap weighted index that I kind of go over with you almost every week where it has become one of the most concentrated versions of itself since I've seen this. I'll be in the business 29 years in August. And this return is about 82 to 86% is from the top 10 companies in the SP 500, which are mostly tech. 
If we look at the equal weighted S&P 500 ETF known as RSP, that's Invesco's ETF, where theoretically, if you had $500, you'd have a dollar invested in every largest 500 companies in America, publicly traded anyway. That return is 8.29%. So, you know, half of the regular S&P 500, because what this is this year is a rally back from the tech wreck of 2022. So, for example, if we look at the, the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ this year, you know, looks like it's been on a tear up 38.67%. But if we look at the return, the total return of the NASDAQ since January 1st, 2022, when 2022 was a tech wreck, we're still down 7%. So this is much of a recovery. Is this a rally based on a large increase in earnings? No. Nope. It's a rally based on tech being sold off too far because of a fear of interest rates, not realizing that you know AI is a revolution that's going to help earnings. So it's more of a future kind of uh, revenue pull when it comes to tech, I guess you could say, from increase in productivity and increase in revenue from AI. Because if you look at FactSet and during earnings season, which you know just basically started for the second quarter of 2023, FactSet expects the earnings decline for the S&P 500 to be down 7.2%. So earnings down on a year-over-year basis for the S&P 500. Now, I think they're going to have some pleasant surprises there. But, um, you know, and, and there's all this talk out there that, you know, typically when you have over a 10% return the first half of the year, you end up having a pretty good second half and definitely July. But then you get the summer doldrums, you get people rebalancing the portfolios. And then you have to look at the market and say, where are we? Are we fundamentally on a price to earnings level? Is the stock market fully valued, overvalued, fairly valued, or undervalued? Right now, the forward 12-month price-to-earnings ratio on the S&P 500 is 18.9. That's above the five-year average of 18.6 and above the 10-year average of 17.4. So those that are in retirement, good time to look at rebalancing the portfolio, making sure that if you've spent cash over the last six months, that you peel off some growth to replenish that cash uh, because you're always trying to prep for that bull, that bear market that you never know when it's going to come. Right. You know, even most, most, this, this was the, the most expected recession that never happened. Um, now can we still have one? Yeah. I mean, you still have an inverted yield curve. The two year U.S. Treasury bond is at 4.77%. The 10 year is just over 4%. So we still have an inverted yield curve. Right. That's the overall long term, the bond market. And bond traders tend to be a little smarter than stock traders over time. Um, is expecting rates to eventually come back down, and why would that happen? Because of a slowdown. Now, when we look at the, you know, S and P five hundred, and we're talking about the forward price to earnings ratio of eighteen point nine. Again, we have to realize that man, this is a really tech heavy index these days much more than it was even prior to like 2011. So you can kind of look at it like QQQ, which is the NASDAQ ETF. 
mostly technology. I mean, there's not all tech in the NASDAQ now, but it's mostly. A forward price-to-earnings ratio, according to White Charts, is 27.25. If we look at a value-oriented ETF, like we look at Vanguard's VTV, which is an ETF that invests in large-cap value companies, where you're looking at a company, a lower price-to-earnings ratio, uh, you know, something that looks like a value um, cheaper than the rest of the market, and they're you know a reason for a turnaround. The forward PE is thirteen point eight one. That's quite a difference. It also tells me that it's getting kind of cheap again, right? Because in twenty twenty two, value dropped a heck of a lot less than growth, but this year growth rebounded off the overselling of twenty twenty two, and now you got to get back to fundamentals. Now, yeah, it's it's interesting though because it's like, man, you can get on a, a last time I looked at T bills and boy, it's interesting to see how many people have opened a Treasury Direct account this year in order to buy T bills and notes. Um, the one year T bill from Treasury Direct is five point three eight percent right now. That's the highest it's been in a long time. So look, if you're sitting there with a bank account. And you're earning, you know, less than four, four and a half percent on your cash. You know, your bank is taking you. I mean, there's there's so many options out there between all these different online FDIC insured bank accounts where you should be earning four and a half percent or more in cash on your safe money. So, like, even if you're retired and you have that, you know, two to three years worth of portfolio draws in cash, maybe you have six months of expenses in your checking account, the rest should be earning over four percent. You know, and I mean, right now you can do a five-year corporate bond ladder, highly rated corporate bonds, and yield somewhere a little over 5.6% and have a bond mature every single year ready for you to spend in retirement. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcase is always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. If you have any money questions for the show, shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. So a little bit more on interest rates and, and cash and, and bonds, T-bills, treasuries, bonds, different different items like like that. So right now, because you can earn 4.5% on cash, and, you know, even for our clients at EP Wealth, we have uh, it's it's basically a service that when you add money to it, it spreads it around around a lot of different FDIC insured banks. So you can get a higher rate and a much higher level of FDIC insurance. But there's other options out there on your own, like Capital One 360, Ally. Um, you got to keep an eye on them, though, because a lot of times after a year or two, sometimes the rates drop, you have to open a new account. Marcus, those are other ones that are out there. So you can earn over four and a half percent on cash. There are, you can open a treasury direct account or have, you know, in your Schwab or Fidelity account, for example, have um, secondary market T-bills and notes where, like I said, a one-year T-bill last I looked is 5.38%. Um, five-year corporate bond ladder, when I'm looking at uh, parametric site is around 5.6% per percent starting yield. A one to 10-year ladder is 5.58% starting yield. So what does that mean? 
Well, let's say you do a 10-year bond ladder. So let's say, and, and that's for corporate bonds. So this would be right for a retirement account. So let's say you're retired and you know that you need to pull 30 grand a year out of your IRA to meet your expenses. And you know you need a certain bond allocation in your portfolio. What you could do is take $300,000 at a 10-year corporate bond ladder where you know you have $30,000 of bonds maturing every year approximately. And so at the end of each year, a bond matures $30,000. You decide, do you want to withdraw that or do you want to reinvest it? And so that gets you somewhere around 5.58% starting yield right now. Now as bonds mature, the, the yield is a little bit different, obviously. But if interest rates start to drop because the Fed's done and we go to a slowdown, those bonds can also increase a lot in value. Now, if interest rates continue to go up, well, your bond's going to mature at its face value. You need to get the money anyway. So it's a, a really great way to go. And you haven't heard me talk about this until this last year because we really haven't wanted to or been able to do this, in my opinion, since 2006 or seven. It hasn't been super attractive. I also want to tell you that this makes annuities with lifetime income guarantees not very attractive right now. So a lot of times, whether it's radio or going to a bank or a brokerage firm, you want to go roll over your 401k to an IRA when you retired. And they say, look, well, you can take this money and you can invest it in this variable annuity. And inside of it, you're going to be allocated between stocks and bonds through the sub account in the annuity. But guess what? The insurance company guarantees that if you start pulling out, say, four, five, six percent a year, depending on your age, that you will never run out of money. Even if the market tanks and goes to zero and your account goes to zero at age 85, you're never going to run out of money. And that sounds pretty attractive, especially with people that are very, very risk adverse. But when you run the numbers on this, you realize that typically all the stock market in a balanced portfolio has to do is a little over three and a half, four percent to pay you back your own money over your lifetime to age 100, the normal life expectancy, you start to realize that, oh, wow, when I look inside the fees of this variable annuity that the so-called financial advisor is trying to sell me and make a commission on me, that the fees are often over 3% internally. And... Guess what? I've never seen a 10-year period when a rolling period throughout the stock market history where a balanced portfolio has lost money. In fact, if you look at one of the worst periods of time that you could have looked at a balanced portfolio, let's look at October of 2007. Arguably one of the worst times to put money to work because the market crashed in 2008 and 2009. It started to, to tank in October of 2007. The Lehman Brothers you know, bond collapse, we had the credit crisis. It bottomed in March of 2009, over top to bottom, over 50% decline in the S&P 500. Guess what? If you would have invested in, let's just look at the S&P 500 from October 7th, 2007 to 10 years later in 2017, 102% total return on your money. If you look at a basic balanced fund, like Vanguard balanced, up 88.56%. So what's the insurance company really guaranteeing here? 
when when there's not been a 10-year period when the markets where a balanced portfolio hasn't produced more than that. So um you know, the average rate of return was a little over five and a half percent on a balanced portfolio. If you look at that, that's the total return from point to point. And then there's an average annual rate of return. So don't let yourself be sold one of these variable annuities with lifetime guarantee benefits right now. It's much better to have a really good asset allocation where you have a certain amount of stocks that includes large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets, a certain amount in bonds, especially if you can do some, if you have enough money where, um, you know, you're with your core bond portfolio, you're, you're able to place 250,000 or more in, in a bond ladder. You have cash that's earning money. You have, you know, T bills that are earning money and some really good alternatives for larger portfolios out there, whether that's be private credit or private real estate. And there's certain private real estate deals that are still yielding over five and a half percent. And most of it is in a taxable account, non-taxable current income because of depreciation and return of capital. So a lot of really good options out there. So do not let yourself be sold a variable annuity with income guarantees from a commission-based broker. Long story short is most annuities are bad. Now, there is a couple of decent either non-commission annuities or no-load variable annuities or index annuities that are right in certain circumstances. So there's like fixed annuities that are guaranteed for 5% for five years. Those are decent bond alternatives for those that are concerned about rates continuing to increase and they're seeing their portfolio decline on paper. But again, that's just, I think you can get more out of the laddered bond portfolio if you started today. Now, if you started last year, look, I mean, the AGG, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, the total return up is only one and a half percent this year. So a fixed annuity could have beat, will, would have beaten that this year, but it's got to be the ones that don't pay somebody a huge commission. There are some that don't. They're very few and far between. This is an area where I know it very well because I started at the age of 19 because my grandfather left the banks. He was selling mutual funds and annuities back then and in uh, the early 90s and you know, got tired of the bank rollover situation. He used to joke that he used to have to look up at the sign every day to figure out who owned the bank today um, in order to answer the phone. And so he left the bank with a stack of annuity statements and I had to learn that business inside and out. And because I learned about annuities and I approached it from a math angle, um, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this commission-based world. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close, and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton.
quick uh, kind of follow up on annuities that are out there. You, you just have to be extremely careful because in my opinion, people that work on commission should not be allowed to call themselves financial advisors. Um, they're you know, typically those that work on a commission, they have an insurance license and they work through a broker dealer. The way the world is leaning is fee only fiduciary based certified financial planners that are an RIA firm where you don't have a broker dealer that's got a set number of products that they earn an additional kickback on. And there's really no good advice because it's all got some sort of a biased approach to it. So you have to be very careful in this world. The annuity issue is such a problem out there that the Department of Labor and the SEC has, has both tried to you know, pass laws and, and make rules to make people aware of the commission-based annuity world. Now, again, there are some good no-load or non-commission indexed and fixed annuities that can make sense for those that are very risk-adverse or they're looking for, you know, slightly stock, slightly bond alternatives. Um, like if you're 60 years old and you know you have to make a certain withdrawal at 65 and you have five years and you want to know that you can invest in something but have zero downside exposure, you have to compare things like uh, government bonds to, um, you know, CDs to fixed annuities for a retirement account. So be very, very careful. The other thing you might want to note is that, as I mentioned, when I got into the business, I mean, annuities were actually a good thing because back then capital gains taxes were 27%. So it was a way that people in a higher tax bracket could invest outside of their 401k. Back then, the most you could put into your 401k was 10 grand a year. So those who were trying to save more, they could either invest in a mutual fund and pay a bunch of taxes every year for capital gains, or they can invest in an annuity and defer taxation until they retired. And that was when capital gains were 27%. Now they're much, much lower, so they weren't as attractive. But a lot of older people have annuities that have never, you know, they've never paid the taxes on them. And ask your parents if they have an annuity, because if they pass away and the annuity goes to you, you're going to pay all those taxes over a five-year period or less, unless it's done differently, at your bracket. And it's going to increase the taxes that you pay. And if you're 65 or older, it's going to increase the cost of Medicare and everything else for you. There is a way that they could do a 1035, a 1035 exchange into a better annuity that gives the children an option to defer the income over their entire life. So rather than having to pay it all over, you know, one to five years, you could have it streamed to you over your entire lifetime and really decrease the tax burden. So I'm just going to put that out there. There's a way to do it. And it's very important for you. And a lot of people that listen to the show are because, Hey, I'm, I'm getting close to retirement. I'm going to retire within 10 years or I'm in retirement. A lot of times you're starting to help your parents get through their finances because of they're older. They need a little bit of help. You might be their power of attorney, their successor trustee, and you might start looking at their assets and saying, okay, which account should I draw from first for them to pay their healthcare costs? Which accounts are going to end up going to me in my name? Um, do they have IRAs and annuities? Maybe they should start pulling the money out and paying the taxes because they're at a lower bracket and they have more medical expenses. What should we do? 
And so you're starting to do your financial planning for yourself, but also for your parents. And that's when it's really important to have a good certified financial planner that you can turn to that can deal with not only investments, but taxes, retirement planning, estate planning, all of it, looking at the entire family, who gets what, including charities. You know, what about if they have charitable goals and intents, which assets did those get? I mean, if you want to leave a certain amount of uh, money to your favorite charity when you pass away, carve out a portion of your IRA that goes to the charity because then nobody ends up paying taxes on it. And don't forget, even though the new required minimum distribution age is now 73, um, if you were, you, you still have the ability to give money directly to charity up to 100000 a year to a nonprofit out of your IRA starting at age 70 and a half. And you can start getting rid of the tax issue there. Now, what I was going to talk about this segment um, is some of the questions out there that we get all the time that I can't just give an answer to. So there's some questions in the world of financial planning that have multiple answers that our certified financial planner practitioners cannot answer without seeing your investment account statements that include, if it's a non-retirement account, the cost basis, you know, the, the and showing, you know, what's the gain on your non-retirement accounts that you're going to pay taxes on if you sell. We need very detailed list of expenses and we need two years worth of tax returns and we can start putting the puzzle together. So one of the first questions is which accounts do I draw from first in retirement? Now, a couple of things have made this question much, much harder to answer. The first one is the tax act in 2017 created a disconnect between ordinary income brackets and capital gains brackets where if the only income you have is from dividends from U.S. corporate corporations like, you know, Apple, Microsoft, companies like that, and capital gains from selling stocks or real estate that you've held for over a year, there's quite a bit amount. If that's the only income you have, there's, there's a huge amount of income that you can have with, and pay a 0% capital gain bracket. But anything that you do, like pulling money from your IRA, taking Social Security, taking pension, that can push the capital gains tax higher. Right. So when you first retire, you have a decision to make. Which accounts do I draw from first or is it a combination? We can't answer that question like by email or just in a general blanket statement because it, it just there's so many different situations. Now, the first one is, especially in the Bay Area, do you have a highly concentrated stock in a non-retirement account? Because you've been working for you know a couple of tech companies throughout your career. So you've got a ton of Apple, you've got a ton of Microsoft, ton of Amazon, whatever it is, and then your 401k. So there's two issues here. There's what is the best thing to do tax-wise, but you never let taxes be your primary decision-making uh, driver. It has to be controlling risk in retirement. You know, going into retirement with a bunch of single stock, um, you know, has paid off on Apple recently. Yeah. Has it paid off on Microsoft recently? Yeah. But there's years, I mean, it was just what, 2019 when Apple underperformed the S&P 500 by quite a bit. And it's not like they have a massive amount of revenue growth right now. So you've, you've got to control that risk first and say, okay, you know what? Maybe taxes aren't my number one decision-making issue right now. Maybe it's dealing with this concentrated stock. 
Now, there's different ways to do it that we've talked about. You can you know, sell covered calls. You can do callers. You can use options to hedge some risk and create some extra income while you're waiting to slowly, uh, you know, move that, uh, slowly draw on that stock position. Um, and that's a blend of capital gains and short-term capital gains when you do it that way. If you have charitable tent in a really large estate, you can look at things like charitable remainder trusts, which are a good way to get a tax deduction, immediately diversify and start creating income. There's different ways to deal with that. You just have to know what your portfolio looks like. So I see situations all the time where I get, you know, again, a, a 401k, a big 401k that, you know, has never been taxed and then a highly concentrated stock position that we have to deal with. The other situation that you can see is what if you have way more money in a 401k or IRA versus a taxable account? And but you're retiring before age 65 and you're getting these premium tax credits. That's a new one in this whole game, right? So what that, what that is, is let's say you retire when you, when you're 60 years old, you're not going to be on Medicare until you're 65. So between 60 and 65, you're going on covered California plans. And if your income looks really low on paper, in other words, you're not pulling a bunch of money out of your IRA. You don't have a large pension. You have a large portfolio, but taxable on paper, you're getting these really large premium tax credits that can alter where you might want to pull money from. All right. So that's an interesting one. Uh, another question that um, is very specific to people and their families is, should I start converting money from my IRA to Roth in small amounts right after I retire. Now, there's two issues. There's funding a Roth IRA while you're working, which has to do with income limits and everything else. But anybody at any time can decide to convert money from an IRA to a Roth IRA, pay the taxes now, and let it start growing tax-free in a Roth for the rest of their lives. Anybody can do that. It does not matter what your income limit is. It just matters if it's smart based on your tax bracket. So you have, what you do is if you have a, an IRA account or you've rolled your 401k into an IRA, you open a Roth account and you do a conversion form. And let's say you move twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a year from your IRA, pay the taxes on it and move it over to the Roth where it's going to grow tax-free for the rest of your life. And every time you do that, it reduces the amount of required minimum distributions that you have to take later in life, and it can reduce your future tax brackets. It also, when you leave a Roth IRA to your spouse, it becomes their Roth IRA. When you leave it to your kids, it becomes their inherited Roth IRA where they can have tax-free growth for another 10 years. It's very good family planning. But again, what about those premium tax credits? Should you be doing this? If you're under age 65, you might want to wait until you're over 65 and those premium tax credits for, for the, your health insurance go away. There's a couple of other questions too. Do you have cash on the sidelines to pay the taxes? Because every time you convert, you got to pay taxes. Where's that money going to come from? Should I start converting IRA to Roth in small amounts right after I retire? So we talked about, you got to be careful premium tax credits. The second one is, do you have cash to pay the taxes? So let's say you decide to convert... Uh, a certain amount of money from your IRA to your Roth to max out your existing, let's say it's 22% tax bracket. Well, that cash to pay the taxes has to come from somewhere. And do you have the cash on the sidelines? If not, it might be a situation where 
You convert a certain amount of money from your IRA to your Roth in 2023. In 2024, you might not be able to do as much because you might have to pull a little bit more out of your IRA in January to pay the taxes that are due for 2023. See what I mean? So you, have, you might have to alternate the situation in a little bit. You might, like I said, before you start converting money from an IRA to a Roth, you might need to wait until you've dealt with any concentrated stock position or maybe you have all, uh, you know, way too much stocks versus bonds in your portfolio. Most of your stocks are in your taxable account. And you need to kind of deal with that and reduce risk there first. Maybe there's a real estate transaction or a business sale or options that uh, you have to exercise before you leave your employer that might affect your tax return for the year that you retire. The other thing is that you first, before you do any of this, you have to have a detailed cash flow analysis where you can look at a sheet and say, this is all my income sources, even from real estate or you know, dividends on my taxable account, pension, social security. These are all my expenses, including healthcare costs, taxes, everything. How long is my money going to last? At a conservative rate of return with inflation on all your expenses, 5% inflation on healthcare costs, how long is your money going to last? What does your portfolio look like in the future? And what does your future tax bracket look like once you start taking required minimum distributions? If you're running your financial plan and you've done a very detailed job and you see that, man, I'm, I'm close to running out of money at age 90 because I haven't saved enough, or maybe it's 85 because I haven't saved enough. Well, probably converting from IRAs to Roth isn't going to be that great for you. So you have to do this in a, in a much bigger picture first and make sure that your plan is on track where you've passed and we got a seminar coming up in August about the, the retirement planning tests, including, including linear cash flow modeling, the tax test, Monte Carlo simulations. What does your future look like? How much is going to be left to your kids? And if that money is some of that money is IRA or 401k money, and they're going to have to pay taxes on it over 10 years, what's their tax bracket? Is it the same as yours, higher than yours, or maybe it's lower than yours? Now, a lot of this has to do with if, if you're on track, right? Let's say you, you know, right out of college, you started saving 10% to 15% of pay and you have been consistently saving. Let's say you're, you know, 50s, kids are out of college now, so you can have, you have more money to, to set aside. All of the money that you've set aside so far has been in your 401k pre-tax this is why you might consider giving up some current tax break to start saving money into the Roth 401k, setting up a backdoor Roth IRA, or going into a, you know, a situation where a mega Roth 401k, let's say you're like at a company like Microsoft, you know, Apple, Cisco, where you can max out your pre-tax deferral. You can put in money after tax and have that converted to the Roth 401k bucket every year. So that you create tax diversification by the time you retire, where you have cash in the bank, you have Roth money that's non-taxable when you draw it out. You have non-retirement accounts that are, you know, just non-IRA accounts that when you sell the stock, mutual funds or ETFs, you pay capital gains. And then you have the pre-tax accounts like your 401ks and IRAs. When you have that tax diversification, it gives us as certified financial planners the ultimate flexibility to do very powerful planning where you can end up with income well into the six figure range and pay very little on the federal tax side. I've got clients that 
tend to pay more to California than they do to the feds on their high amount of income if we're doing the tax planning correctly. But sometimes that means either giving up a little current tax break in your 50s and 60s as you're saving or paying a bit more taxes in the first several years of retirement. And that golden period, especially if you qualify for, you know, it can be from the date of retirement to your required minimum distribution age, which is 72, 73, going up to 75. That's when you have to take money out of your IRAs and 401ks and you can't convert that to a Roth. Or from, you know, age 65 to the required minimum distribution age if you're getting those premium tax credits. So look, I mean, long story short is, is I ran into somebody yesterday that was paying 1.25% on a portfolio of mutual funds with a certain advisor. They were not getting any tax planning. They didn't have a financial plan. They didn't have a place to log in to see what their long-term cash flow projections and their taxes and state plan looks like. It was just, they were charging them for a pie chart portfolio. That is literally the easiest part of our business these days. As certified financial planners, we're trained in taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing. We give advice in all of those areas. And so when we charge for the money that we're managing and our clients' accounts are set up at either Fidelity or Schwab or TD Ameritrade, which is becoming Schwab. And even though we're charging on those accounts, we're doing a lot more. We're doing the tax projections, the planning, the tax advice, the estate planning, going through insurance. Um, we don't sell insurance. We just provide advice on that stuff. Going through the estate plan, dealing with family planning issues like your parents. What happens if they're incapacitated? What does their estate plan look like? What happens to your taxes if you inherit the money? And just making sure that everything is on track. So if you're in that type of a situation where somebody's either trying to sell you annuities all the time, you don't know what you're paying, you're not getting a financial plan, you can't clearly see how long your money's projected to last at. They're not running things like Monte Carlo simulations, uh, helping you annually with taxes and withholding the proper amount then it's time to look at a new relationship. Time to look at a new relationship. Uh, In the next podcast, I wanted to get to Harry Markowitz, um, Nobel Prize winning economist who who basically came up with modern portfolio theory. We'll do that on the next show. If you need some help with your financial plan, we've got over 80 certified financial planners at EP Wealth. Shoot me an email, set an appointment. Just go to chadburton.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. Podcast links, you can find them all at chadburton.com. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.